Hello and welcome. My name is Alex MacPhail and this is High Performance Teams. I'm a former aerobatics display pilot from the South African Air Force and I love talking about high performance teams, what makes them work and what we can all learn from them. In the show, we talk to race pilots, professional sportsmen and women, entrepreneurs, comedians, performing artists and more. Please enjoy and remember to subscribe. Good afternoon and welcome to you once again to the show. Have you ever wondered how air traffic control works? How do they manage thousands and thousands of airplanes in a busy airspace to land at just the one airport? Well, I've got a wonderful guest for you lined up today on this show. Please stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Tobias Arndt is a radar controller at the Munich International Airport. Welcome to you, Toby. Great to have you on the show. Thank you for your time. Hello, Alex. Pleasure being here. Thanks for your invitation to the show. Uh, thank you. I appreciate your time. And, uh, uh, Toby, tell me, what's happening in Munich at the moment? Are you guys also in lockdown? We're kind of trapped to our houses here right now in South Africa. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a lockdown. Uh, everything's uh, pretty calm outside. Actually, I can't see anybody walking down the street, which is pretty unusual. Uh, we're just allowed to go out in parties of two, and the other person needs to live in the same place that you do. So basically, you can't meet friends or so. It's really, really quiet. Okay, I was very quiet here in Pretoria too. So, Toby, let's start from the beginning. What is an air traffic controller and what is the role? What do you, what do you actually do? What is your function in the airspace? Well, the main function is to separate aircraft. That's actually our main task. Um, it needs to be safe, orderly and expeditious. That's what we always say. Safety is always number one. And yeah, we try to bring you in as fluent as we can. Okay, I like that word safe and I also like that fluent, efficient, make it uh, uh, save as much jet fuel as you can. We like to save the minutes in the aircraft as well. And it's good to hear you have the same mandate. So Germany is a very busy part of Europe and there's uh, thousands and thousands of flights. We'll, we'll pop up a, an image shortly. Um, but just tell me, how does the coordination work? So you're a radar controller. What is your responsibility in the bigger picture of the, the whole airspace of Germany? What do you do on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, I'm doing approach control for Munich Airport, which means we do arrivals, departures. So we are basically the connector between the center sectors and the tower. Okay, wonderful. Um, I see some of our people are already tuning in with some German. My German is not very good, so we get us there. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you can read that, Sean. Ah, okay. So thanks, Sean, for joining us. Okay, so you're a coordinator. So let's start from the beginning now. So if, uh, if I'm in my aircraft, what is the, in a sort of a medium-sized airport, what's the likely first place that I'm going to start when I'm, I'm chatting to, to someone on the radio frequency? Uh, well, if you're as a pilot, the first thing you do is to get your en route clearance. So that's with okay. delivery. These guys are um, sitting in the tower in Munich. And then you talk to the apron for pushback. You do the taxi, which is then later on on the tower frequency okay. or the ground controller. And the ground controller hands you over to tower controller. That's the guy who's giving you the takeoff clearance. Okay. So after takeoff, you get to my position, to my frequency, and I will guide you out of our airspace, the Munich approach airspace. And the next one is then the radar controller. Okay, great. So let me just uh, pop up some pictures there for people to see. Okay, so there's a wonderful Airbus 340-600 from South African Airways uh, in Munich. And I want to just show you a picture of the airport and show you, get an idea of what it's at. So there's a big picture of the airport, Munich airport. 
And uh, in the middle of the picture, you can see there's, a, there's the tower right in the middle of all that busy buildings on the runways on either side. But you're not actually sitting at that tower, are you? Because you're, you're not in tower or ground control. Where are you sitting in relation to tower? Correct. Uh, we are based uh, at the Munich airport, but uh, we don't really have to. We could be anywhere in the world, basically, because we just use our radar and the frequencies for the radio. So um, some countries do have their approach controllers sitting in the tower, okay. but uh, in Germany, it's not usual. Okay, so then the handover between you and your, so the, the ground person, let's, let's talk about an airport, aircraft getting airborne. The handover between the ground and tower and then onto someone like your approach radar controller, yeah. uh, how does that happen? How do you know that it's coming? Well, we've got the flight list in our system where we can see the next departures when we're talking about departures now. So um, the, the tower controller actually, once you're turning off, because we have uh, two parallel independent runways in Munich, so once you do a left or right turn, which ensures separation between the two departures, he will send you from his frequency to my frequency. Okay, so there I'm just putting up a screen. There's a photo of the bank of computers, all these controllers sitting next to each other. So like, yeah. in that picture there, there's two people sitting right next to each other, about, about a meter apart. Um, do you do you hand over? Is it quite feasible that you'd hand over from one person to the person directly next to you? I see a lot of telephones as well, computer screens. Uh, yes, sometimes it is. Okay. It depends on on the sectors or the unit you're working. So um, if I talk for approach, we will get the the handoff from from the radar sector to our first controller. We can split our positions into high and low positions, which okay. means the first one you're talking on approach to is the high arrival controller. He okay. guides you for some miles, then he sends you over to the low arrival position. And the uh, last is the director. That's the guy who turns you on to final approach. Okay, great. So it but, sounds like uh, quite we a... Are, we are all sitting next to each other. You are sitting next to each other. It sounds like quite a complex arrangement, uh, um, the interplay between a group of people looking after the certain aspects of the flight and then you're handing it over. So this team dynamic, I mean, do you guys all have similar backgrounds or, or how, does it, how does the interplay work to, to create such a, a, a high-functioning team that you manage to interplay and, and hand over? Remember, you're dealing with people in airplanes here and you're saving lives and you're making it efficient and safe. How do, how, how do you ensure that this teamwork continues to, to, op, to function optimally? Uh, well, the background of the different controllers is totally different. Uh, there are <laughs> almost every kind of person you meet in the control room has, uh, has different interests. But uh, when it comes to work, I think we all have the same idea or more or less the same idea of working together. And I mean, um, if there's a good relationship between the persons, it's always easier to work with them. It's oh. fun. Oh, great. Well, uh, you talked so about that. You talk about diverse interests. Uh, Toby, I've stuck a picture there up of you in your, what looks to be running away or diving away from an airplane very quickly. Uh, so tell us oh, a little yeah. about this. Skydiving, yeah. <laughs> Skydiving is uh, the, the most fun sports in the world. So uh, yeah, you can't really describe the feelings when you jump out of an airplane, doing things in the air. Uh, it's just, yeah, it, it clears your mind. <laughs> I'm sure it does. Yeah, you, you, you have to be focused. Um, once it gets to open the parachute and the landing, but um, just like, yeah, free as a bird, as people say. Oh, wonderful. So you seem to be a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So besides jumping out of airplanes, I know that you're interested in soccer, and every now and then you pick up your odd squash game with some international airline pilots yeah. that arrive in Munich. 
Do you think it's a good, uh, a good idea to have good relationships working with pilots? Uh, I mean, I know you, you know several of the South African Airways pilots and you, yeah. I hope some of them are joining you today. We get together for a drink or for a meal from time to time. How do you think yeah. that plays out in your job as an air traffic controller when we are the pilots operating on the day? Um, I think it's very important that we have a good relationship to, to pilots. Um, it helps to, to understand what the, what the pilot is thinking for us because uh, sometimes you have situations in the air where pilots do things like reducing speed or having a specific descent rate, climb rate, and all the other, the background stuff. And if you're, if you're in a good relationship with, with pilots, friends, um, then you might be able to understand better how they are working. Sure, because it's all, you know, all sorts of knowledge is just helpful. And I want to yeah. just address some yes. of the questions that are coming through your Toby now. So people are saying, hello there, how's it to everyone that's joined in Germany? Um, we've got uh, somebody, BS, I don't know who that is, says, what is the correct phraseology for clearance for <laughs> chemtrail dumping? I'm not sure if, uh, if they are <laughs> talking about chemtrails in this sort of uh, uh, strange sense. I know sense who that of the, guy is. <laughs> one of your friends. <laughs> a colleague of mine, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> okay, well, you can have a shout out to him. And then another question, Sean's asking, is it busier at Munich than at Frankfurt? Uh, no, it's not. Okay. Frankfurt is still the busiest airport in Germany. Well, at the moment, I think it's pretty much the same with the whole COVID thing. But um, I think Frankfurt's average is around 1,500 movements a day, and Munich's like 1,200, 1,300. So it's okay. a bit busier in Frankfurt. It's a bit busier, but it's in the same sort of uh, um, range. And you mentioned that now. We discussed earlier this morning as we were checking in this idea of how busy and not so busy the airspace is. If you look at flight radar, some people are quite keen and follow the flight radar app. You can see there's a lot of airplanes still flying around Europe at the moment. But you sent me this, um, this image here, which I just want to put up, which is the comparison between what was uh, a typical day, April 1st, 2019, versus uh, what, three days ago in March. And you can see those yeah. the thick lines and the traces going up and down of a busy day versus what it looks like now. So even if you look at the... Uh, the um, the airspace on flight radar kind of thing, you don't really appreciate it. What has been your experience working? I know you worked some shifts this week. What have, what have you, you noticed working the shifts at the moment in the airspace? Uh, well, I did only a night shift this week, which is always a hit. But from the colleagues who work day shifts, they said it was like, I don't know, 60 aircraft, 60 movements, what we call them a day. Okay. Munich, so it's nothing at all. That's quiet. I know you've uh, uh, Munich is one of the busier or as German airspace is one of the busiest airspaces in Europe. I think, uh, what was your number? About 3.2 million movements. And you say a movement is, is really a definition, a technical term for a flight. So over 3 million flights going through the German airspace last year. And was the peak something about 11,000 flights in yeah, one 11, day? 13,000, yeah. So if you're talking in the numbers of 50 or 100, it's, it's significantly down, which is it's to be expected. So passengers yeah. aren't it's really like nothing. Yeah. Okay, we've got some more questions coming through here. It says, what is the most popular airline in Munich? Is it Lufthansa? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's our, our main uh, customer, if you want to call it customer. Uh, it's definitely Lufthansa. Okay, and we've got Willem joining. Thanks for joining, Willem. What happens when a pilot misinterprets a controller's instruction and does something else other than the instruction given that was an honest mistake? We're all human and we, people do make mistakes. What do, you, what do you do? How do you deal with that? Yes, sure. We do mistakes and um, that happens. So there are some safety nets we have. The first thing is um, if I give an instruction to you and you do a wrong readback, so you read back another level, um, I can correct that immediately. If I don't get that or the pilot climbs instead of, instead of descending, 
Yeah. Um, then we've got when there's another aircraft next to this one, we've got um, on the radar an alert. Okay. That pops up red and shows that these aircraft have a loss of separation. That's what we call it. Um, and then our action is to ensure that the separation exists as soon as possible again. Okay. Let's say you're continuously you with the TCAST. Sure. Okay. So, so you're, that's, you, you, that's that is, it. That is your that is your tool. And you've got your um, own tool. Okay. That makes sense. It'd probably be the case that you had the tools before us. You know, you you're dealing with lots of people, and we're dealing with the one airplane and the aircraft around us. I'm getting some uh, some more messages here from people. Uh, Quibus, thanks for joining us. When last was the radar vectored? <laughs> when last was the radar vectored South African Airways over the beer fest? Oh yeah, I remember that when when Cobus <laughs> came out. Uh, unfortunately, uh, there's a restriction, altitude restriction, to fly over the Oktoberfest. Sure. So uh, yeah, he had to climb out on his 340, and uh, once he passed the altitude, I was allowed to turn him. I vectored him just around the Oktoberfest, and then he went back to South Africa. Oh, wonderful! Forging good relations. I know Cobus is. I think where it all started with the relationship with the South African Airways ah, pilots. Correct. And yes. Thank you for joining us today, Cobus. So uh, Fran is asking, did you hear about the RV that landed on the taxiway between the heavies at uh, OR Tambo? They weren't even on frequency. I think this was about a year ago in that sort of time frame. Did you hear about this? Didn't I didn't, know. No, it's a very interesting story that came out. I don't have all the specifics on it. So if anyone wants to chip in there and give us some more info, that would be great. But um, you mentioned a couple of things about how it all comes together. There's a, there's a few other pictures that I just want to share with the with the folk here, so uh, here we go. There's the panel. Sorry, that's not the right one. Um, tower. Okay, so there's a picture of the control tower uh, at Munich Airport, and and you said you don't sit in it. What is the visibility right. for those tower controllers? And and like you know, their job is more a, a line of sight and keeping track of the airplanes that they're looking at. You know, yours yep. is all sort of computer based, and you're in a dark room. You've got no view outside. It looks like quite a cushy office to be a control or ground uh, tower controller. What is the difference in the in the qualification or the job itself or or the, the makeup of the person? Can you tell us a little bit between approach and tower? Uh, well, the tower controllers have basically the same qualifications that we do have. Yeah, it's just a matter of training. So um, I think the first weeks of basic training at the academy is pretty much the same and then we split we do the radar work and the tower guys they go to the tower simulator so that's where it splits okay so have you uh, not got any experience with the tower uh, just very little we've got a oh we had a two-week tower course i guess it was two weeks just okay. to get an insight uh, what a tower controller does but uh, we do on a regular basis exchange between tower and approach so that what so that we see what they do, they can see what we do, and we got a better understanding for uh, for their way to work. Well, that's a great way to, to do things. Now, that also reminds yes. me of a question that came through on uh, on LinkedIn earlier. I posted the link to this, and Carl he was asking about that uh, mandatory rest period. I don't know if you want to just share a little bit about it. I know it's one of the the jobs listed there in the world that an air traffic controller has significant stress levels. I don't know, just talk us through what is this uh, specialized rest period that the Germans have. Uh, have arranged for their controllers? Uh, yes, we call it a Kur, which is like, like a rehab. Yes. Um, that is every three to five years based on uh, the controller's age. So at my age, it's every five years and later on will be every three years. It's like a four week off where we go to a, to a place and uh, do this rehab. So it's okay. uh, learning how to reduce stress, calming down, 
uh, do different courses, health classes, and all that stuff. That sounds very healthy. Wow. And has this been yes. something that's been going for, for many, many years? Yeah, I think so. As far as I remember, um, that's been always like that. And, and is, it, is it, do you go in teams or is this an individual thing? It's individual. You can, you can put requests on the list to, um, to go there with your colleagues. So if you know, okay, that person has his uh, rehab next year and I do as well, you can just write on the list that you would like to go with this person. But it can happen that you just meet uh, other random controllers from all over Germany. Okay. And, and in, your, in your experience, I know this is the career you followed, so you won't be able to compare to many other careers. But do you find it a high-stress environment? Is this Obviously, it's always great to have a break and to go upskill or do some skiing or something nice on these mandatory rest periods. But do you find yep. it, the build-up to that, it's, this is becoming uh, the workload is heavy and I need to switch off for a while? Uh, well, it's, it's not that it's always stressful to job. I mean, it's not that you're eight hours on the shift and you're eight hours totally busy. Okay. Um, but um, after busy periods, especially after the summer and the autumn, where it's really busy, mostly it's September, it's like the peak season. Sure. Um, when you have this rehab thereafter, it's, it is useful, absolutely. Well, I think we should start implementing that at uh, some of the airline jobs as well. You mentioned your, your type of um, uh, shifts and how a day works. Maybe you can just walk us through. So you get to work. And, uh, and your, whatever time of day your shift starts, your shift probably follows a similar format. I presume yes, there'll does. be some kind of a briefing and then on time and off time. Maybe you could just walk us through that a little bit. Yes, correct. So every day starts with a short briefing period of 15 minutes. Okay. We, can, we have an electronic briefing system where we can just get the latest updates uh, regarding our airspace. We can do weather briefings and stuff like that. And once that is finished, we go to the position and get the handover from the controller that is working your position. Okay. So uh, he mentions what aircrafts on your frequency and what's, what's the current landing direction, any special weather in the area and stuff like that. Nuff aids that are on maintenance. And then you start working for a maximum of two hours. After that period, you have uh, 30 minutes or one hour off and then you start working again. Okay, and then does this thing then just rotate around? You'll do the same thing again. Right. And then, so there's two or three of these periods throughout your whole shift for the day. Yes, right, it rotates. So uh, that's more or less random. So you can start on the director's position, then have a break, then you're the coordinator in the north. After the next break, you're director again. So it depends uh, actually where the next person needs a rest. Okay, so you kind of fill in, you kind of tag in. Yes, that's correct. great. So there's a nice sense of teamwork there. I like the briefing. And uh, tell me at the end of the shift, so, uh, you know, in my views uh, and studying of high performance teams, there's a solid briefing, there's thorough preparation, you, you deliver the goods, execute with precision, and then you always review to try and improve. How does the review part of things come into you guys? Do you, is there a daily debrief? How do you guys try and improve what went down today so that tomorrow you can be better, better equipped and deliver a better service uh, the next day? Do you have that? Um, it's not really on a daily basis. Uh, when there's a day that's just like a normal day, like uh, in your position, if there's just a normal flight, then you don't really do a long debriefing. If there are special situations during this shift, um, then you start talking about that with your colleagues. Like if there's an emergency coming in, sure. then you review that. So what, what happens when the emergency comes in is that you clear the way, you clear the final, and uh, try to get the emergency the shortest way to land as possible. Okay. Well, and, that, um, that 
after these situations, you start talking to your colleagues or even to your friends after after work and review that a bit just to improve. So maybe they say, okay, you could have done that better or that better, and the next time um, it will be even a shorter way for this aircraft to land. Okay, implemented. I'm just going to address some of the questions again here. Um, how do you address Lufthansa? SAA gets the call sign Springbok. What is the typical Lufthansa call sign? Lufthansa call sign is Lufthansa. <laughs> Pretty easy. <laughs> nice easy one. Um, yeah, we've, we've got some. Yeah, we've got some uh, British Airways is called Speedbird. Yeah. And uh, what else have we got? We got the Virgin for Virgin Airways. Uh, uh, that's just yeah, a joke Virgin that we have. America. <laughs> there, there are so many Emirates. <laughs> Okay, and then uh, another thing that's come out in the last while is that uh, it, the role of air traffic control has become even more prominent in the sort of media. And there was that great movie, I don't know if you watched it, Pushing Tin, about the oh, air yes. traffic. <laughs> we, we like to joke about it being the, um, the, uh, the, the air traffic control version of Top Gun. And yeah, how did, yeah, how did you and your, your ATC colleagues, how do you approach a movie like that? Was that enjoyable? Is it a little far-fetched at times? What are your thoughts? Uh, uh, I actually didn't talk to colleagues about that movie, but I watched it for sure. And uh, yeah, as you said, it's just like like Top Gun for pilots. It's exactly the same. Okay, good. It's one of those movies that you just, yeah, there's a firm favorite. And we're actually looking forward to that, uh, the sequel of Top Gun. Uh, I think this COVID-19 yes. has put the brakes on it, but it looks like it's going to be fantastic. I'm going to get to a couple more questions here. All right. It says, what happens with the people working for SAA in Munich? Did they lose their job? Or are they brought to another airport? Okay, well, that's, uh, I mean, I can address that as well. Uh, no one has yeah. lost their job at this point. Um, in fact, South African Airways is just about to start repatriation flights. So I hope to, in the next week or two, get a chance to chat to you, Toby, in the air as we come in with the yes, Airbus sure. 340. And um, Sean says, have you ever handled an emergency before, Toby? And if you have, tell us a little uh, bit about it. Yes, yes, sure. Um, there are like 100 different kinds of emergencies. Um, there can be a medical emergency. That means that there's a passenger on board who has a heart attack, a stroke, or whatever. Um, you can have technical emergencies, engine out, or whatever failure. The gear can't be retracted or extended. Um, I have to think about what my last emergency was. That's quite a while ago. I think it was an <clears throat> engine out uh, of an aircraft uh, just after departure. So what we did is just gave him the shortest vectors back to the airfield. Okay. And does that also, does it sort of prick up your senses? Are you a little bit more alert? Do people back away? Do they handle you differently? How does it work from your side of the panel? Um, actually, it's just like you, you try to handle him as normal as you can. Just be calm, not to, um, not to make the pilot nervous because sure. the only thing, uh, our only tool is the voice. And if I sound nervous, the pilot will immediately know that and vice versa as well. So um, I just, yeah, you talk to him like a normal normal aircraft, vector him back to the final and uh, that's it. Okay, yeah, you, you have always sounded calm in the air whenever I've spoken with you. Um, and then, but, but practically from your side of the fence, uh, do, do your colleagues around you give you some more support? Do they take some workload off you or does that not change at all? Yes, yes, they do. So we try to keep the frequency as calm as possible, as quiet as possible. Okay. So um, actually, when we work with these uh, this high and low inbound structure, so with two controllers, then the high controller keeps all the other air traffic, and I just try to handle my emergency. So okay. the optimum would be if that aircraft is the only one on frequency. That does not happen, but uh, that would be the perfect. <laughs> that would uh, be wonderful. And as, yeah. a, as a pilot, it would be wonderful if I, I certainly often get the feeling I haven't had a lot of emergencies, but, 
but certainly in the, in the simulated environment, you do get the sense that this is this is like a, a, a pathway opening up for you, and you're on your way. Yeah, in. right. But uh, so just exactly. to keep keep going a little bit on this emergency, I'll get to your more questions now. Yeah, sure. Pilots twice a year. There's two chunks of time where there's a, a two days in the sim and two days in the sim, and this is your proficiency and keeping your license active. Do you have yeah. something similar? This continuation training and checking of your your license and your validation. Yes, we actually have the same. We do uh, simulator runs okay. with emergencies, and um, yeah, we can play like or simulate almost every kind of, of failure. Of, even if it's uh, VFR pilots who have uh, loss of orientation, okay. icing. So um, it's it's randomly the, our instructors tell us what we've done the last years. So we don't do the same emergency again. Right. Then they just say, okay, today we pick this one and let's start the simulation. Okay, great. That's, that's very reassuring for us as well to, to know that, that you go through these checks as well. And is that then typically like you would do a shift? It would be like an hour and a half once again? I mean, our simulators are four-hour sessions. It's quite long. You come out of that, you're quite tired. Is, how long is your simulator training when it's your revalidation? Um, I think it's half a day, so around four hours. Okay. Since also, we have uh, two controllers working the positions, mm -hmm. uh, one radar controller and one coordinator. And uh, after the first simulation run, you switch the positions. Okay. So the whole thing then plays out in real time as it would right. be if you were at your desk. Okay. That's yes, great. Right. Uh, it's wonderful to hear those things. So uh, I see Louis Duplessis has joined us. Uh, he's saying... Hi, Louis. Tevi, all with all the stress in your job, do you have enough time for rest and vacation? <laughs> I know that that uh, question was coming from Louis. He's always <laughs> mocking on that. Um, yes, we do. Uh, I think our, our shift model is pretty good. We have enough time to rest, um, to focus on other things, to yeah, clear the mind again. And um, that's uh, one of the, in my opinion, main advantages of shift working. When you start early, you're off really early. And you have like the whole day for other things. Yeah, well, that is good. Yeah, shift working. And also, um, it's the kind of job, a little bit like an airline pilot, where when you turn off the airplane and you walk away, you're pretty much done. There isn't homework. I'm not a, an accountant yeah. or a, some sort of a financial right. analyst who has to work through reams of paperwork at home to be ready for the next briefing. You also yeah. you put your headset down and you walk away and the yes, job's done. That's it. We go out and that's the day. Oh, that's great. Toby, it's been wonderful chatting with you. It's great to see you again. We'll have to do this via the internet. I hope to catch up with you on the airwaves in the next week or two as yes, we uh, bring hopefully. in our Airbus through into Munich. And uh, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you very much, Alex. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I'm excited to have you on this journey with us. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And remember to subscribe to the show to catch weekly episodes so that you can build your high-performance team.